Welcome to the Mile 99 interview with your host, Jessica Harris, Mike Turner, and Greg Larkin. Enjoy this episode. We'll see you on the trails. See you out there. See you there. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Mile 99 interview. I'm one of your hosts, Jessica Harris. The Mile 99 interview is a place to hang out with like-minded folks in our trail community, share our stories, successes, failures, and deepest trail secrets. This is a place to get the latest in local race news and find out what is going on in the community. We record in front of a live Zoom audience, one take, no breaks, and unlike the trails, what is said here is on the record. I'm joined by the best co-host in the world, Greg Larkin and Mike Turner. Hey, Mike, how are you? Good, good, doing good. Uh... Just enjoying the weekend last weekend. The weather was beautiful and I did a bunch of climbing and saw a bunch of people. And uh, just a heads up, if you see us, we're going to be carrying stickers in our pockets. So if you see me, my intention is to try to have some on me. To me, so keep us in mind. If you see us, if you see us out there, we're going to try to have these on our person to pass them out. Greg, what's going on with you? Oh, let's see what is going on. Um, I'll, I'll touch on it, I guess, a little more in the community news. Some big stuff over the weekend. Um, yeah, definitely getting out there, um, getting a little more of a regular Auburn visitation uh, during the week. So I'm looking forward to doing a lot of lunch runs and other stuff. Got out there for a really quick one yesterday. Felt good. Things are on track. So I'm looking forward to really putting the miles down and getting the climbing going. So how are you doing, Jess? Well, you guys know, but our community doesn't know. I got so sick. Um, I just had a rough week and now I had some sick kiddos. So no running for me, but we're just staying in and getting better. And this cough, you might hear it tonight. I'm going to try to not. It's just hanging on. Um, so I'm going to, but it's weird how when you're not running, something hurts. So like right now my knee hurts and I've done nothing. So I think that's a sign that I need to get up and move a little bit. But I was like, man, I need to take a bath because my knee hurts, but I haven't been doing anything. So looking forward to a good weekend, not so super sick anymore. So that's great. Um, tonight though, I'm taking care of the interactive portion of the interview. So anyone who's on zoom or on Facebook, if you have questions for our guests tonight, you can throw them in the chat window and we will get them answered. You can private message me as well um, on Facebook if you want or on Zoom. So that's awesome. We have our Patreon, which is cooking. We had some awesome content posted this week. Uh, Greg's going to talk about it probably a little bit more, but um, we had um, at our $2 tier, we have an awesome lap 34 with Michael Lee um, going up Mount Tam. And then we also have a free little preview, free content for you guys. So go ahead and head over there. We like to give uh, back as much as we can with some free content as well. Um, and I think we have a giveaway for Patreon, which is kind of cool. Martin Sango, the race director of um, Cool Moon, all the distances, gave us two free entries. So if you guys head over to our Patreon and subscribe for the $2 here, you're going to get double the entry into the giveaway. Um, if you don't want to wait, you got to sign up for Cool Moon right now. We also have a 10% off for all our listeners. It's mile 99 interview um, when you do ultra sign up. Um, we want to 
welcome our newest sweep team patreon member alex thank you so much for your support um super thankful and we have some stuff coming for you in the mail we also have our venmo which is at the mile 99 interview all one-time contributions are such a blessing to us um we're able to get stickers and support our community even more so we really really appreciate that we still have our shirts we will forever have our shirts stacy does our shirts they're nice shirts um and they're white and snazzy so we will have those up as well um, I think that's it for our community or for our news, our mile 99 news. So I think we're going to head over to Greg to get some community news because I think things are really ramping up. Yeah, big time. Thanks, Jessica. Um, yeah, of course, uh, just locally, uh, just to uh, set up for this weekend, we've got AR 25 and 50 on Saturday. So definitely get up to the Auburn Overlook Park for the finish. Uh, you can always see everybody off uh, during the day and see them along the, the route. There's lots of aid stations, very accessible. Um, but at the finish line Saturday from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., there is going to be a big special giveaway slash a discount for people. Uh, more of a discount, I guess. Um, next year's race, if you show up between the hours of 10 and 7, you will get a significant discount off of 2023 entry. Uh, you'll get right into the race. And then the other thing that uh, is really interesting for people just getting into trail running, there's now a new AR-10 race. So that will comprise a small part of the course, uh, get, give you a taste. And then, hey, you know, 2024, you go for the 25 miler. And then by 2025, you're in the 50 miler. You do the whole trifecta. We also have one of our um, AR-50, AR-25 giveaway um, winners is running the races weekend so liz rice she won our giveaway so we'll be able to follow her um for ar50 so thank you uh nor for giving us that opportunity yeah so cool um julie great friend of the show uh we really appreciate all the uh the engagement with her uh we've got canyons uh presented by utmb coming up we've been talking about that the last few shows on the 23rd of april aid station at mammoth bar meet us there uh nice and early four o'clock, five o'clock timeframe, whatever, you know, spend the night. Uh, it's all good. Uh, good thing. We'll be out of there soon. Then you can go and run around the rest of the course and see people struggling out there on loop six uh, past Forest Hill if you want. So great opportunity there. Uh, we will have a two week break after that. Um, we're going to be doing right before the aid station that week on the 19th and the 21st, two recording sessions. First one is going to be a pre-race briefing on the 19th. That's a Tuesday. Thursday that week, in-person panel with runners, uh, which is going to be super exciting. We've got a lot of firepower coming in, so it'll be great to talk to them, get some inside, inside, inf inside information. Um, and then, yeah, we'll take a little breather after that for a couple of weeks. Um, all right, so this weekend, uh, pretty wild. I went down on Saturday afternoon and spent uh, just under 24 hours down in Mill Valley, met up with Michael Lee, another friend of the show. Um, this guy, he started on March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. He finished yesterday, just shy of two weeks, 300 miles of hill repeats, or essentially, you know, loop repeats up and down Mount Tam in Mill Valley, uh, seven, a little over seven and a half mile loop, uh, 2,500 feet of climbing. At the end, he had done 40 loops up and down, uh, roughly three times a day, and he climbed over 100,000 feet of vertical. Um, he's been uh, 
Done, they've done stories on him on NBC. Uh, I'll post the link once I'm done here. Uh, you can see all of that. It's been a great story. Uh, the community support down there was just absolutely unbelievable. He was so emotional about it, just all the people coming out to help support him. Um, he's a great community builder. Uh, he's a coach mentality. He just, he's got so much information for us uh, as a person, as a runner. So I was also able to do a couple little um, live uh, on the course interviews with him. Those are on our Patreon as mentioned. One of them is free. So go check that out. He's just so gracious. You know, he's in the middle of this huge effort and he takes the time and he's just talking to me like any other day. So fantastic uh, time down there with him and all of his crew and, and pacers I had a great time. Uh, Paulo, single track running aid station uh, in Auburn. He is going to be setting up the 100 miles to Auburn virtual run and race the month of June. Uh, I think I've got a t-shirt from a year or two ago on that one. Definitely check that out. I mean, if you're going to be running anyway, you might as well sign up, get some swag. Um, it's a great way to just kind of like show your support for Auburn and, and the great community up there. Um, and I'm sure we'll be talking to John a little bit more about all that shortly here. Um, Broken Arrow, that's coming up. Michael is going to be doing the trifecta, the vertical K, the 52K and the 26K. And he's telling me all about all those races. I mean, he's just, this guy is so motivated. He's going to have plenty of climbing legs. That's for sure. Uh, $50,000 total cash prize purse there. Go check that out. Always a great time up there in Olympic Valley. Paulo is also going to be running the McCollumy, um, April 15th to 17th. It's like a fat ass type, um, race weekend. You all just show up and just run and race and hang out and uh, camp and do all that good stuff. Uh, it's on ultra sign up, So it's official, you know, you still have to sign up, let them know. Um, but go check out the McCollumy river trail running festival on ultra sign up, um, inside trail. They've got the Woodside crossover race coming up as well as the Folsom Lake, um, I believe the latter is on April 30th. Uh, so there's lots of just great opportunities out there. Definitely check out your Thirsty Thursdays up at the aid station. Um, there's so much going on right now. It's just hard to keep up with everything. <laughs> you could probably spend a whole episode just talking about all the great developments in the local uh, community. So hope uh, you all get some good information out of that. Uh, I'll post that link to Michael's uh, story and back to you. Man, that is a lot going on. We almost seem like a a mile 99 news channel. It's uh, so much happening these days with the news. That's amazing. And uh, so many ways to get involved and at so many levels. And I, the camping that the call me, I did that a few years ago. It's great. People are just hanging out, camping. It's like, it's like a family reunion, but with running and sweating. Pretty exciting. So tonight, speaking of community, our community of Auburn, uh, we are super excited to be hanging out with the very own city manager of Auburn, California, John Don Levy. You know, and he's not just a city manager. He is also a local ultra runner and recently completed the Way to Cool 50K right here in our own town. Congrats, John. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into the Way to Cool story because it just is a great digging deep story about how he just got to had to get back in there and just get his head on straight and get in and finish it. We'll get into that later, but... We also asked him here to kind of give us the state of the endurance capital of the world and learn all things about Auburn and like how we got the nickname, all the latest races we're holding and how the city has been navigating with the state parks and, and, and the Bureau of Reclamation, all these types of stories we'll get into. So with that, welcome to the show, John. Great. Thank you very much. I'm really glad to be here. I'm a fan. All right. I watch it every Thursday. I tell people that, uh, 
after Thirsty Thursday, I go home and uh, my wife and I put it up on our TV and uh, we watch the Wednesday show on Thursday. All right. That's great. And uh, yeah, there's people can watch the live show or they wait for Friday and they can listen to the podcast. So there's a lot of ways to listen back if you missed it on the Wednesday. So in this show, people start to realize that we like to, we like to know how people became who they are. So we want to get all the way back to the early days, learn where you're from. Where, where'd you grow up, John? And what was life like as a kid? So a lot of people think that I'm like from around here and I'm not. Uh, uh, I grew up in Los Angeles, I uh, in Southeast Los Angeles, city of Pico Rivera. And um, during the 1970s, 80s, it was an interesting time. It, it, it was a very violent time. I grew up in mostly a gang area and it was uh, it was very different uh, uh, time, and it really shaped my perspective on things. Uh, as as I grew up, literally in the heart of of a lot of gang violence that went on, I literally I grew up with kids who um, were the victims, of either injured or killed from from gang violence, and there was a real perspective that you get about where you're at in the world and, and it affected me, but mostly it, it really helped me guide to where, what I do today is, is being a city manager. I've, I've learned to be very community minded. Um, I did all my education in Southern California. I had an opportunity to uh, start my career literally in the city that I grew up in. Uh, so uh, I really got into that phase of learning to give back. Um, my father was a city manager. So uh, the career path, my, uh, actually I'm third generation. My grandfather was the original county manager of uh, San Mateo County. My dad was a city manager. And uh, the thing that, that uh, really made me get into what I do is just the idea that I can give back to the community. I have a job where all day long, I am thinking about the community, things that we can do to benefit. Um, I, I share that the thing that really turned me on was uh, my dad would do all these projects and he would build libraries. And one of the coolest things he did was he built an Olympic swimming pool, a real Olympic swimming pool that had platforms and all this stuff. And as a kid, my dad would take us. He, he was basically a single dad raising me and my two brothers. And and we went to this pool and it was 20 feet deep and 20 feet is a lot deeper than you think. But then you look up at the, the, the top of the, the platform and when they filled the pool, my brothers and I got to go and jump off of the platform. We were the first ones to jump in the pool. And I thought, to have a job where I get to go and be the first one to jump into the pool when it gets built, heck yeah, sign me up. And and I followed that. that that's, uh, wow, what a cool story. And speaking of community, I mean, I met you at Thursday Thursday, which is a Thursday night run at the A station here <clears throat> here in town. And I met, that's where I met you. So be, as far as saying being involved in the community, you're not, you're not sitting up there in the, some, you know, business place in Auburn. You're actually running the trails with all of us. And you're learning about just everybody who lives here. So I really kudos to you for really getting out there and just meeting the people that live here. Well, I, you know, I tell people I'm a small city city manager. 
the last city I worked in, uh, I was there for 19 years. And my wife and I were completely involved in the schools. We ran the soccer program there, uh, rotary, everything. And I like to tell people I'm 110%. Uh, I want to be involved in the communities that I manage. And Auburn is just that. The reason why I'm in the city of Auburn right now is because the community that it is. It, uh, uh, and so much of that draw is the running community. I am just infatuated by it. Uh, for, for me, my job is to run an organization. I, uh, in, 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 in the end, I'm in charge of the fire department, the police department, public works, all the services that go on. And I tell our employees that we're in the business of where people live. That is our motto. And, you know, for me, uh, it's lonely at the top, I tell folks. And I seek inspiration and guidance and people to lead me. And I get that through the running community. I'm genuinely inspired by it. And uh, for me, you know what? I'm not going to win any races. I'm a back of the packer. But uh, the running community is one of the places that I absolutely gain uh, direction, motivation, and inspiration as, as I take on everything. So I've learned to absolutely just love it. And, and here in Auburn, uh, duck and water, uh, because that's the kind of community that it is. You know, a lot of us, uh, I mean, obviously we, we all run and we love it for the social aspect, the mental health, the fitness, so many good reasons why we do it. But, you know, it sounds like where you grew up was a pretty rough place. And uh, you know, we, you know, and soccer, basketball, sports, it may, was that a luxury? Did you have a opportunity to, to be active when you were young or was it just try to survive and keep your head down? So the, the one thing about a community like Pico Rivera is that uh, the gang element was very strong, but there were also the people who played at the parks and I was a park kid. Uh, you played sports and, you know, a lot of the kids that were in the gangs uh, were at the park also. And, uh, you know, there were all those people that influenced you, the coaches, the people who guided you, the way that you stayed out of trouble. And you, the way that you stayed out of trouble with the gang was by playing sports at the park. So you lived one entire year. You went from from basketball to soccer to football to baseball to whatever it was. And that was, that was life because uh, if you weren't doing something at the park, uh, everybody wondered what you were doing. And uh, for a lot of the kids, it wasn't uh, very responsible stuff. Yeah. I mean, I grew up with a single mom and three brothers and, you know, she was always at work. So it's a lot of time to get involved in stuff that wasn't so good, you know, for sure. So, so you were, so you grew up there and then you, how'd you get up to Auburn? And so, um, uh, we, my wife, Kathy and I have lived in, in Northern California for it's going on 21 years. And, uh, I moved up here. I was recruited to be the city manager in the city of winters, a small town. And my wife and I moved up here, not because we were going to get rich, uh, or anything. We moved up here to raise our children. Our uh, eventually, your priorities uh, really come to the the forefront. And the idea that 
two people that grew up in the heart of Los Angeles, moving up to a rural farming community to raise their kids uh, was, a, was different. But it also afforded us the opportunity to not only be able to pay a lot of attention to our kids, but to learn the importance of community. Um, smaller communities have to work harder. Everybody has to help row the boat. And, and that's, that's what really got us here, was the idea that we wanted to raise our children in a place that would be really positive. A lot of us have met Emily, your daughter, and the wonderful bakeries that she brings along to Thirsty Thursday. I mean, she can bake. Uh, how many kids do you guys have? We have our son, Sam. Uh, who's, uh, we're actually going to become grandparents in about a month or so. And uh, uh, once we got the set, uh, we got the boy and the girl, we decided uh, that we would call it. And uh, so uh, we're very blessed. Um, uh, I think my kids are the best, and I think everybody else thinks their kids are the best, too. Yeah, I, I do. Awesome. That's great. Yeah, we, we definitely enjoy uh, seeing both of you guys at Thursday Thursday. And again, we talked about the cookies and the treats. It's always so wonderful. But you, you and Emily have run some races together. I was looking through your your race history. Uh, looks like CIM. You both have run several times together, right? Yep. Uh, actually, uh, see, watching Emily run her first CIM is really what inspired me to get into to running. Um, I am so inspired by Emily. Uh, I. Uh, the truth with her, she was not a, an athlete in high school at all. And, and when I saw her cross at CIM, I, I, I was not only super proud as a father, but I, I became inspired. It was, wow, what an accomplishment. And uh, for me, it became a challenge. And uh, Emily was a part of uh, running groups with a Fleet Feet group down in in uh, Vacaville. So I signed up for one of the, the, the training uh, things for CIM. And I met some of the best coaches, the best people that they just inspired me like you can't believe. And it was magic for me. Uh, I, I had this one coach who, uh, uh, my first day, you had to be able to run 10 miles and I, I could run 10 miles. So I, I start running and all of a sudden, my coach, she runs up next to me and she's super nice. And uh, all of a sudden she's kind of got her mom voice going and she goes, why are you running so fast? And I go, well, I'm trying to run. I'm trying to keep up. And she just looks at me. She goes, you need to slow down. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden uh, uh, my coach just turned me into a marathoner. And I never would have appreciated that. And eventually they turned me into an ultra marathoner. And at the end of the day, I've learned it's all about the coaches. There are people that will give you those nuggets of information. And it's what got me to, to doing what I'm doing. I don't consider myself to ever have been a runner, but the people who uh, I have gone in the running groups with uh, do that. I see it all the time. And, you know, in Auburn, it's magical around here. You have all these different running groups. You've got, uh, you know, the David Latinos and Hassan and, and the Rogue Runners. You've got Thirsty Thursday and Poor Choice. You've got the third, the Tuesday Track Group. 
Um, you've got these bands of people that you meet in parking lots and they're like, Hey, do you want to go run 10 miles with us? And you're like, yeah, let's do this. Um, you know, I, so you run, so you run uh, CM in 18, but you've run it a number of years. And, and since then, sounds like that's when you really started to embrace the running. We talked about the American River 15 and 25 coming up. So you, you did that and the 25 miler and then, uh, then your first, when was your first uh, ultra marathon? It was uh, way too cool. It, it was the week before they shut everything down. Oh, that was and the I, last, I, yeah, last race, huh? Yeah, yeah, it was the last great race before COVID. And uh, I went out there and it was the best day ever. I, it was raining like crazy. And uh, I, I, I tell people, I run really hot. And it was raining and it was cold and I loved it. It was the, uh, I would say that my first way too cool was my best run ever. And, uh, you know, one of the things about running I've, I've learned is that you find your tribe out there. And most of mine are middle-aged women that are accomplishing that big goal. And uh, at that way too cool, I ended up running with one of my coaches uh, and I met these people and it was magical. I got to the top of Goat Hill and um, everybody was freezing cold and they, they tried to give you that, that broth. And as I got to the top, I was like, hey, this is mile 26. I'm supposed to be drinking beer at mile 26. So I, uh, everybody else is shivering and they're super cold. And I asked uh, if they had any beer and some lady popped a Coors Light and it was the best day ever. Wow, that's uh, yeah, that is a great local race. And we just had our way to cool and mile 99 hosted the mile 12 or 13 aid station. And we saw you there. And so, you know, we, uh, that's when we kind of had the idea. You were having a rough day, but you know, you, you know, you pulled it through and Jessica, but one, I want to read an email that you sent to us. Cause when we asked you to be on the show, you responded by saying, I sincerely appreciate you, Jessica, Greg, and Anne from Saturday. Then you said, I think we all have certain race doubts that which creep into our psyche and for time to, for you, it's how prepared am I? And, you know, you needed that push to get you through the finish line. And then Jessica said, you only have 18 more miles to go. And it's an ins insane notion for many folks, but in the community, it's not. And it says, the fact that Jessica rationalized that for you and brought you to the idea that you could just power hike at the finish line. So that, that's what you needed to get done. And then you said you ended up meeting some great people, uh, a young lady named uh, Kaliva from Czechoslovakia and other uh, Carol and other folks out there. And that was the push that you needed. You someone to say, hey, you're not you're not going to stop here. You're going to keep going. Guys were magic for me because I, I'll share with you, I've passed out after two marathons. So my wife has told me that my next ER visit is, is my last race. And and I've always, you know, I've got that doubt. I've got hydration issues. And um, so I'm always calculating because I don't want a last race that I have to do. And I just, I didn't feel that I was up. But talking with you, uh, each one of you, and especially Jessica, you know, I'm sitting there and she's like, oh, hey, you only have 18 more miles to go. 
you got this. And, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm trying to have at least one rational side. And I'm going, you know, 18 miles is a long way. But she's like, you can just power hike this thing. <laughs> so pretty soon uh, I hook up with uh, a, a gal named Anna that I ran before who uh, was fabulous. And then pretty soon me and a gal named Kavlina from Czechoslovakia. I've got this great picture of her and I. Uh, uh, with a, a, a little stuffed goat uh, uh, right before you got to go to hill. But, um, you know, I had doubt. And the reality is, is that you guys gave me hope and that I could get up that hill. Well, and you look so good. Like I've seen a lot of runners who... Yeah, it, it's the right call. We'll totally take you home. But I just did the classic avoid eye contact, wish you well, and send you on your way. And I did send you on your way once and you came back and tried to get out of it again. And I was like, you know what? Like this, like if you just do the math real quick, you can literally walk to the finish line because you were running so well before then. So I just thought it was such a good story. I snapped a little picture of you on the way because I knew it wasn't going to be your last picture of the day. And I was waiting for you to update all day. I was like, come on, finish, finish. Cause we dumped supplies and I headed home and I was just waiting for you. So what a, a feat. And I think that's a story for you to back pocket uh, for later. And maybe some of us to back pocket for later, even if you're not halfway through a race uh, and that doubt creeps in, just hang on, just hang on a little bit longer. Um, so congratulations for a great day. I knew Jessica could handle it. Cause you came up to me and said, Hey, which way is it? exit. I'm like, talk to Jessica. <laughs> I said, you're right over there. I said, she'll handle you. Well, you know, I, I'll share with you. So I got up to the uh, ALT and at the aid station mile 20.5. And there's this kind of cowboy looking guy. He's got this big old belt buckle on. And he goes, you have no choice but to finish from here. <laughs> and I'm like, well, here I go. But you know, again, getting back to the the running community, the strength is it is the volunteers like you, like everybody else. You know, there are, there are people like me going out and running 50K is a big deal. But the reality is, is that all of you out there make it possible for people to do really big things. And, you know, it it's really what, why I, I stay with the the running and doing everything. You know, there are very, the one thing about running is that it is the, the, the largest spectrum in all of sports. There are no other places where the elite and novice line up on the same start line on the same day and run the same course. And those opportunities allow people to do things that they never imagined they can do. And uh, over the years, uh, whether it's it's my satisfaction of, of crossing the finish line or other people, you just sit there and you're like, oh, my goodness, this is the best day ever. And the people who put on those races and the volunteers are the ones who make the difference in people's lives. You know, I've uh, as I've met so many people here in Auburn, I mean, where else do you have literally some of you know, somebody like Tim Tweetmeyer, arguably one of the greatest endurance runners of all time? He's outpacing people, he's sweeping people, and 
And who do they focus on? They focus on people like me. And it's, it is so incredible to be able to have an opportunity to gain that type of inspiration. So anyone who's listening who wants to get into ultra running, make sure you're a backup hacker because you'll see Tim Tweetmeyer is what he just said. So, <laughs> yeah, that's just, uh, I've always admired the community, that feeling. And you never know who's an ultra runner. When I first got into this, you, you think, oh, a runner is those skinny guys, those tall guys. But the reality is that it's like some magical thing. They're all different people, ages, size, speeds and it's just it's about that grit and i always find that when you when you do hard stuff it puts the rest of life into perspective and it make, gives you the the power and the confidence to say you know i can do hard stuff i can also handle this other stuff so i think it's just a really good way to just you know boost yourself up and realize that i am i am enough i'll share with you that for me um being in the back of the pack I meet people that have absolutely inspired my life. And uh, I was doing uh, formidable and, uh, and you know, I'm climbing up that God awful spine going up to Overlook Park that uh, Apollo has you finish on. And it's about a mile and a half from where they dip down at Roby, Roby Point. And so I meet these two ladies and they both got shaved heads. And these are two ladies that have been battling cancer and just sitting there and these, they are just trudging it through. And um, one of the best moments in, in all of racing for me is we all, we got our way up to the top and they finished and to see their families up there welcoming I, whether they were brother and sister or, or moms or whatever but they they sit there and you see these people finish and their families and you see that embrace and it's like best day ever because you've seen people that are dealing with some really heavy stuff that ultimately have gotten there and they've accomplished something great and there's nothing better than that. Yeah, it's, uh, that's why we love this community and all the things. Uh, and this town is, you know, transitioning into, into the city. This town has really been supportive. And for, I mean, as far back as the Tevis Cup in the 50s and the, into the 70s, you know, and, and uh, we have a long history of endurance sports in, you know, the Western states and the set started in the late 70s and obviously the Tevis Cup. And, but I think, and, you know, the Auburn Dam has kind of was had like this kind of almost put the the pause on a lot of the, the advancement of the community and what we could turn it into. I think I think since that's been farther and farther behind us, the city has really embraced this endurance capital mentality. And, and I want to get into kind of you know then how how that came about that endurance capital name and you know when did that happen? Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So um, Auburn has a number of, of fabulous committees and people who are very involved. And one of the, the best ones is uh, a committee called the uh, Endurance Capital Committee. And they uh, are representatives of the spectrum of endurance sports. You've got bikers, hikers, you've got running, 
people representing the running community, the horse community, and they all have relationships with whether it's Tevis, with Western States, uh, with all the different events. Uh, this, this committee does more uh, for Auburn in coordinating and promoting the endurance capital. So the city became the endurance capital uh, just around 2000. Uh, as far as branding went, you, you know, starting in 2000, you really saw everything hitting the gas. It's where Tevis was literally an international event, uh, Western States Endurance Run international event. And it's where you really saw things taking off. And part of the, the, the branding for all of those sports, the, the in, uh, city of Auburn just embraced it that we are the endurance capital of the world. And it, it's a representative of the lifestyle that is here, the people that are involved. It's not just running. It's like I said, the bikers, the hikers, the kayakers, all the people that embrace the lifestyle of living in one of the most beautiful places in the state, very active uh, and uh, it, inevitably uh, it became just a promotional thing. You know, Auburn has many, many things going on, arts and entertainment and culture and, and those folks. But when it came to the real diversity of activity and sports, the, the idea that we're the endurance capital of the world uh, became easy because, yeah, you know, really around that time, you saw endurance running becoming an international uh, uh, emphasis for everybody. So, yeah. Uh, interesting. And a lot of folks, have you been down to the clock tower intersection on 49 and gotten some yogurt or went and saw Paulo and bought some shoes? You'll see that there's uh, plaques down there and little names of little stories. And so when did that streetscape project, when was that envisioned and installed? So um, beautiful project of the city, very visionary. Uh, it's one of those things that uh, uh, came in that the original plans were done. I think it was completed just around 2010. So it really hasn't been there all that long. Um, but if, if you go to each one of the sides of the streets and, and you look at the plaques, they do a really good job of, of they rep, they, uh, um, recognize the, the endurance folks from, uh, from Tevis, uh, uh, even the kayakers, the, the, the runners, uh, um, on that side, they embrace the history uh, and the culture of the city. So if, if you go on to the side in front of uh, Mongolian and the yoga shop, you'll find uh, all these historical references. So it's the idea of embracing all of the, the things that make Auburn the community that it is. So, uh, it re represents the diversity. Is there a place where someone can go and learn more? Like if they see a name there or they want to, how do, how do they, would they figure out if they want to get more information on the stories? What, what would you recommend? You know, I, uh, there's a couple of references. Uh, uh, um, if you go onto the city's website each year, when, when, when these, they, they're, they're called the tiles that are done by one of our committees. And 
chair, you can go on and there's actually a little bio uh, about most of these people. Each one of the plaques obviously has a couple of sentences on it, but if uh, the, uh, actually the city council approved the, the, the shack tiles that went, or the, the, the street tiles that are gonna be going in. And uh, uh, you can go on and, and uh, so the city's website has a lot of information okay. regarding all that. Yeah, because it's fun, because it's fun, I mean, you read the history and then to kind of try to find out who is this person that was a sheriff in you know, the 40s or 50s. So yeah, definitely something. And we'll, we'll put a link on the show notes for folks who can navigate over there and find that. So getting back to the, the city's uh, strategic goals with endurance sport, maybe kind of elaborate on what is in the vision for the city moving forward. One, one of the best things that I get to do, you know, it's not like all these events just pop out of nowhere. There are organizations and people doing that and working with all of them, realize that the Western States Endurance Run, top endurance race in the world. Uh, and they have a phenomenal board working with people like Craig Thornley and, and their entire uh, board. They have, uh, we met with them last week, starting to line everything up for this year's run. Uh, the people from Tevis uh, that are, are working on things. Our endurance capital committee, they, they have all the representatives of various organizations. There are a lot of bike groups that are out there uh, that, that work in with everything. One of the, the most recent tiles that's going to be going in is for Scott Lindgren, uh, a kayaker. Um, but uh, we've got a lot of things that are happening right now. Uh, you mentioned the uh, Canyons 100 that's going to be coming up on the 23rd. This weekend, you've got AR50 uh, that's going on. Uh, we are going to start working towards Western states uh, uh, with that, that, then obviously with Tevis. And one of the, the key things that we do is we work to support those organizations. Uh, in city government, there's a lot of bureaucrats. And for the most part, uh, our take on everything, figure out what they need for their event to be successful. And then what we can do is support them, uh, but more importantly, get out of the way. And uh, for the Canyons race this year, it's going to start right in the heart of downtown. Uh, we are going to be closing a section of the street where they're actually going to start right in front of like the aid station and, and, and Central Square there. And uh, uh, today we had the final uh, punch list meeting with the organizer, uh, Chaz Shea, and we were like, okay, who's doing what? And then uh, they are going to have like a little street party on, on the Friday night before uh, the, the three races, and then they're going to line it up on Saturday morning. They've got three races, and they're going to go for it. Wow, that's going to be a great event. And I think it what you it kind of reminded me what you said earlier about your vision for the city and, and your you you know it's not we live here and this is our community so you're I like how you you enable us and you support it it's be easier just to say no because it's going to be a pain it's a hassle yeah. there's permits there's parking insurance the easiest thing is to say no but you say yes and having a runner in the city manager's office is helpful because you appreciate the value it brings to the community. So I think it really, it comes full circle. And I appreciate 
what what you what you do and how you push these through. You know, I, I I speak all over the state about how small cities become successful, and I call it the power of saying yes. You know, there's a whole creative class of people out there that are not bureaucrats, and you know you need to help collaborate, enable these people, and let them do really cool things. And uh, you know, you you look at the finish line for Western states; those golden hours when people are doing there. There is no other community that has that. It is, it is magical where people are doing that. The same thing with Tevis. One of the best parts about Tevis, it's not about who wins the race. The, the most important cup that they give out is for the health and the training of the horse. And you see them parading all these beautiful animals up, and it really becomes the culture. The culture of Auburn is the excellence and in the achievement that we uh, enable to happen here, the best moments of people's lives is, is happen here. And from the city side, uh, I'm really blessed. I've got a really good city council that I work with here. And they are all people who love living in Auburn. They love this stuff. And the idea that, that we can be supportive and be a contributor, it's the best about working in in local government because uh, you are bringing joy and happiness and special stuff and uh, no it, it doesn't happen at city hall it happens in people's living rooms uh, in what they are doing to make the stuff happen yeah that's great it really makes you just love the city more because uh, it's easy to say no but to say yes I want to quickly mention you know, all of us are, are runners, so we know there's we run the trails and there's we see horses. But Auburn also supports water sports. They recently did that. They revamped when they took out the tunnels down there at the whatever it's called down they and they kind of revamped the little rafting thing down at the bottom of and you know, whatever that is down there. There's also rock climbing over there in the quarry. There's mountain biking all over. A lot of us that run the trails know where to avoid. On certain days for the mountain biking the skate park was one of the earliest things that i recall i was a freestyle biker as a kid and i see the skate park i'm like man i wish i had a skate park and then you guys built the bike park and i i, I run by there on the little canal and see those little kids on those bikes oh man i just say what that just makes me it's so cool so i like the way you guys are really support activity in all the different ways in different ages uh you know it so you take things like the bike park or the skate park. Those types of things give an education to kids that they can't get anyplace else, risk and reward. And the Auburn Recreation District is just off the hook. That, that bike park, I will tell you, has helped us recruit. In, in, in due time, you'll hear an announcement about a major business that's moving all their R&D uh, to Auburn. And it's because of that bike park. That is an epic place. But, you know, you know, in so many ways, people coddle their kids. They are afraid that something's going to happen. And in Auburn, you are 
you know, the, the best day is running up that canal and you see all these kids on their bikes and they're all dirty and a couple of them are a little bloody. And you're like, you know, that kid learns a lot from that crash on that bike uh, going down the hill. And eventually uh, those kids are going to be very successful in life because they will have learned some really good lessons. And that's another example of the citizens of Auburn. There are some uh, bike park moms that are the ones who lead that thing. And I will share with you that when we were recruiting uh, this major business that's, that's coming to Auburn, we just had them write a letter to the this company. And it, I mean, the reason why this company is coming for the most part is because of a bike park mom, because uh, it, she was able to elicit how epic Auburn truly is. Look at that, you look at the skate park. Uh, and then you look at all the things that we do. We're yeah. the home of a, a, where people were in a hundred miles and finished at the high school track. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, that's amazing. I love all those little things. And it's not just for one sports for a lot of people in different ages. And those kids that are active and they're young will grow up to be, you know, we've interviewed a lot of folks and being active your whole life is, is a key to just a balance, a mental, physical balance of life. So it does. A, and you said the risk, practicing risk, you know, that's really risk play is really valuable for little kids, I think, too. It's for all of us. I mean, imagine, you know, there are days I've seen bears. I've heard mountain lions. I've seen I, I've seen the rattles, same rattlesnake three times, I think. And, you know, none of it involves being on a computer or doing any of that. It's being out there experiencing life. And, and that's what all these things do. You know, those kids, when they're gunning down the, those really steep uh, hills uh, on their bikes, they, it's all them. It's, it's, they have to have all of their senses going at the same time. And it really is the education that you want to give to uh, young people is the idea of them taking control of a situation and living it in real life. And, you know, there's no, there, I'm sure you can do the same thing with VR goggles, but uh, it wouldn't be the same. Yeah, I agree. I agree for sure. So a couple of other things to, on topics I want to hit on are, you know, navigating COVID. It's been tough for the city. Now we're getting back. You mentioned that was pretty challenging. It absolutely was. Uh, I I will share that as a as a runner. Um, one of the things that the state delegated all the enforcement to the cities, and as the city manager, I was in charge of COVID enforcement on staff. All the things that they wanted to do to businesses, shutting things down. It was really difficult because I will just tell you that I, I, as a city manager and as a person, the idea of, of putting people out of their livelihoods was, was really horrible. And uh, it was a very tough time. But um, I, I'll share with you that, that the endurance community was just phenomenal. Um, the, uh, in one of the things they did is they shut down all the races. They wouldn't allow any of those things to happen. And, you know, it was crazy that they, 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 they decided to shut down all the healthy activities. And 
navigating that, you know, I not only as a runner, but uh, I wanted to work with the the race directors, and and I I will tell you that they were probably the most responsible people. Uh, the city of Auburn, we joined a group called the Endurance Coalition, which uh, involved all the major races in California, everything from the LA Marathon, uh, Western States, bike races, all of this stuff, trying to get. The, the, the big word was guidance. And uh, the props that I give out, I, I, you interviewed Julie Fingar. And I will tell you that there was nobody that was working harder. They were out writing all of these guidance documents, um, trying to get races back. And they were the most responsible people that you can ever imagine. I, we had all these different meetings um, uh, where literally we mapped every single race in the state. We were uh, lobbying our state legislators. Uh, eventually, we found that you just had to get somewhere into the governor's office. We were working with state parks, but it was a very difficult time. But the, the folks who actually do the races, do the groups, were working insanely hard. And I, I gained inspiration from people like Julie. Julie was working hard to get this thing going and get things back. And I can tell you, there was nobody being rogue about it. And they, they wanted to do the most responsible things. Nobody wanted to discount public health, uh, but they did want to get it going. And the, hopefully everybody in the endurance community understands how not only responsible everybody was, but how hard they were to get us back to basically where we're at today. It, yeah, it was phenomenal. It was definitely, uh, I mean, it's challenging. And of course, this podcast was born out of that, that lull, you know, place to hang out with like-minded folks. But yeah, it's just amazing that uh, it was a tough time for all of us and not running and running alone and, and not racing. And, but, uh, you know, uh, you guys did amazing work and to get all the things back. So we appreciate all the hard work you guys did. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Probably the most difficult thing for me is I have to have a running group. I need peer pressure. And the closing of the running groups, at least for me, and, and it's it's why I started watching your program. I needed to find like-minded people. And uh, um, so I was at the aid station one day. And, you know, I was in buying something and the gal that was working the, the counter, I said, um, hey, are there any like running groups? We just moved over. I go, so are there any running groups? And it was like, I was trying to buy crack cocaine. <laughs> She's like, um, you know, you're coming not back. A or anything, are you? And, and she goes, well, you know, you didn't hear it from here, but at Poor Choice, they have a running group that's running on Wednesdays. And I thought, okay. So, and mind you, I'm kind of like the enforcement guy on all this stuff. So I really got to be careful. So I show up and yeah, it was like I was trying to buy drugs. And, and, but here's the downfall 
of the whole thing. It was way in the back. And somebody took a photo and uh, somebody saw me. And I, I was totally, I had a gator on and, and I had people call me. They saw it on social media. And <laughs> that was my last night doing that for a long time. Oh, man. Yeah, that's like a, that's, that's a, I hit the Auburn headlines, you know, that's crazy. Yeah, it, it just, uh, it was a very difficult time, but uh, the, the idea that we've emerged from it, and I think uh, hopefully the race community will be even stronger from it because yeah. I, I know that, uh, uh, you know, I, I know that when I go to the races and I see the things that they're doing, there are various nuances that they have in, in included, which improve health and safety for everybody. So it wasn't like they they didn't embrace all the things. And uh, for for those of us that are kind of on the inside, skinny on on knowing things, um, I I would argue right now that races are safer and and healthier than they've ever been. Yeah, I I have many more questions, but. Due to the clock, we're going to save it for the after show, the Patreon after show. I have more questions about the footbridge and about fire protection in the canyon. So we'll save that. But it's time for Jessica and her fun game. We had one question in the chat real quick um, from David. He is wondering, this is another kind of controversial. So just, you know, why did they put a gate or fencing on No Hands Bridge? You know, it, that that was actually before me, but I bet, um, you know, it, it's the squeaky wheel on things. And I think the reason why they did it was probably because everybody's, you know, remember, the, there, there's all these people that are, are going to say, somebody's going to fall off of that. You know, it doesn't look very permanent to me, though. So I think since we have you in our corner, we can fight for that risk and reward a little bit more. It happened after there were some YouTube videos posted of people skimboarding on the water one winter. And mm-hmm. it, it was the next, it wasn't very long after that, that the chain link fence went up. So I suspect someone saw those videos and didn't like it. Well, and I know there's locks now, like we're kind of making it, you know, there's locks on it. It's kind of a thing now. It's not such an eyesore. We've gotten over it, but we were just wondering, you know, you're here. We might as well ask you. But I'm going to ask you a couple more questions since you spent an hour with us. These are our rapid fire questions. We ask all our guests. They're kind of silly, but are you ready? Go for it. Okay. Road or trail? Trail. What's your favorite trail? Arguably, I like going, uh, uh, I, I will stagecoach uh, to Training Hill, to the cool fire station, and then back down uh uh, Western States uh, to overlook. And then I finish and I go buy loaves of bread at the farmer's market. Okay. I said one trail, you just knocked off like 10 trails, but you know, you made a cute little loop there. So it's excusable. <laughs> that's, that, that's John's trail. There you go. Uh, what's your bucket list race? Now, I, I think probably the number one race that I would, you know, if, if someday I could figure out how to do uh, Western States or something like that, I, I'll never qualify for it. Uh, I'm going to work really hard at the aid station and see if I could get myself in shape. But 
I turned 60 in a couple of years and somebody told me that they didn't run their first 100 until 60, but you might as well shoot for uh, the biggie. And um, I, I, I can only imagine the euphoria of running onto the Placer High School track uh, everybody there. I, well, I, it was I great to see you pull some tickets. Um, that's always fun. That's something that a lot of us will never get to do. So you might be in a cooler lottery than running the race because there's not a lot of people who get to pull the, the tickets. So that's pretty exciting. I, and I, then, I, would, I will tell you that when I was negotiating my employment agreement to become the city manager, I asked the, uh, the, the city council members who were negotiating the deal with me, I said, hey, can can you get me an entry in the Western <laughs> States Endurance Run? And the council member looked at me and he goes, not a chance. That, you are my kind of people. That is how I operate as well. I really like that. What's your favorite post-race food? No, I, I am, well, if beer is food, I, I, I eat mostly beer. There you go. At, at the that end. counts. And then this is our biggie, cats or dogs? Dogs. Uh, in my next life, I want to come back as my dog. In my, house, in my, do in my house, dogs are worshipped. They, they, I want to come back in, as my dog. That That's amazing. Cool. I love that answer. Um, well, thank you, John. This, is, this hour flew by like it does with all our amazing guests. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, if you guys are listening to our podcast, we're going to finish up here. And if you could rate and review us, that makes sure that we stay on the top of the charts. Uh, visit us on the Mile 99 interview. It has all of our, we have so many episodes. This is episode 62, but we have even more content is there on there as well. Our Patreon, you join $2 today until Friday and you get an extra entry into our raffle for Cool Moon, any distance. So that's pretty cool. We have two two giveaways for that. So you join our Patreon for two bucks and you get double the entries. Uh, make sure to like us on Instagram and Facebook where the mile 99 interview. If you see us on the trail, ask for a sticker. We're going to have them. Pretty cool stuff. Thank you guys so much. And we will see you on the trails. Bye, Bye guys. Good night. See you on the trails. Thanks, John.